You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So I'd like to start with a question this morning. When was the last time that you responded to someone in need? I'll repeat the question. When was the last time that you personally responded to someone in need? So maybe it was taking someone who can't drive to a doctor's visit. Did anyone rake leaves for a neighbor this fall? Maybe someone mowed for somebody. Maybe it was just the simple act of opening a door for someone who who had their hands full. Or maybe you sent someone a birthday card. Or maybe you sent them a get well card. Some people are more needy than others, aren't they? As we get older, we simply can't do everything we used to do. In my own adult life, I have not struggled being able to do things for myself physically. I can walk, I can even run if I need to, I can go to the store and buy groceries. I can cook. I can do dishes, although I'm not very good at putting them back in the cupboards. I can do laundry, but I don't fold laundry. And I've been told I don't do a very good job of putting my things back in the dressers either. I can do a lot of things. I can earn a living. You get the picture. Not many struggles physically in my life. And then came this little thing called heart surgery five weeks ago. As many of you know, I chose the robotic surgery about five weeks ago because three to four week recovery time It would be a three to four week recovery time compared to a six to eight week recovery time if they opened me up. I'm thinking that the would be should have been substituted for the words could be three to four weeks. If you read the November newsletter, I shared with you that When I went to the hospital on October 16th, I literally thought to myself, in three days, I'll be walking right out of there. No wheelchair for this guy. But from the beginning, the process didn't go so smoothly, let's just say that. And I'll share a few of those items with you this morning, not all of them. It started with trying to get IVs into my arms. 
So I had fasted and, and hadn't anything to drink since 10 o'clock the night before, and my surgery wasn't until 12.30. So about 1 o'clock, 14, 15 hours later, guess what? When you're dehydrated, you ever tried to find a vein? And they just kept dancing around. 30 minutes later, I had two IVs. Ouch, right? Raise your hand if you've experienced painful needles trying to find blood. Yeah, you can relate. And no one told me that I would wake up in the recovery room with a ventilator tube still down my throat. That was an experience. But that's an experience I'm going to talk to you about in a couple weeks from now on the weekend of December 3rd. Because actually things were going smoothly. I didn't get out of surgery until like 7.30 p.m. Aubrey, you're here. She, she had to go back to college. Leanne was there. They fixed my heart. I was happy. And then about 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., the nurse came in. She said, are you hungry? I said, I'm really hungry. I haven't eaten anything for about 36 hours. Someone forgot to tell her that I was supposed to be on a liquid diet. I had a ham and cheese omelet, toast, hash browns, and fresh fruit. And it was really good until about 30 minutes later. Has anyone ever had a bowel obstruction? When you have surgery, you have lots of air and lots of extra gas. And it's supposed to go through you. There was no place for it to go. And all I could do was moan and groan. I thought having kidney stones was bad. But then a funny thing happened. People started serving. Pastor Gerber called to see if he could come visit, and Pastor Kanoy from St. Paul Arlington came to visit. Pastor Weber from Cedar Bluff came to visit. My friend Scott Thomas's parents who live in Omaha and his father is a retired Lutheran minister, they came to visit. There wasn't a lot of visiting. They listened to me moan and groan but they prayed, and they prayed hard. Servant hearts, my friends. And they weren't the only ones in the next few days who called to see if they could visit, but it was pretty much just Pastor Gerber and family members after that. The second morning I woke up and one of the surgeons came in, the one who came early each day, and 
He wanted to have a good listen on my heart. So he put the stethoscope up to my heart, and within one second, I am convinced, one second, I felt my heart go out of rhythm, and he heard it. Now we're dealing with AFib, and that's not fun. My heart started racing, 140, 150 beats per minute. So to try to lower that, they gave me something else. Then my blood pressure bottomed out, and it was just like one thing after another. Leanne would say that I was a mess. But eventually I did make it home. It wasn't three days later, it was six days later. And I welcomed the wheelchair. I was needy. I was very needy for the next two weeks. The less that I moved, the less that I hurt. So I didn't move very much. And during those two weeks, I was served. I was served by Leanne. And I was served by my dear mother-in-law, Pat. And I was served by amazing friends and neighbors, bringing food, mowing my lawn, sending cards, sending gift cards. The night before surgery, I had something on my honeydew list for a long time. And I thought, well, I better do this last honeydew because I don't think I'll be doing it after surgery for a while. And I know that Leanne really wants those floating shelves up in the living room to decorate for the fall. Dumb idea. There were three of them. And Aubrey and Leanne helped me measure. But the hardware wasn't very good. And when we were done, the floating shelf, which was supposed to do this, it looked like this. So we stopped that project. A few days after I was home, my good friend Pat, my golfing buddy, he's really handy. And after about three or four trips to Menards and Ace Hardware, he finally had the right stuff. And Leanne has three lovely shelves, and they're decorated very nicely. And a school family unexpectedly showed up. A mom and a dad, a son and a daughter. What can we do to help? Well, by that time, it had frozen, and Leanne has over 30 pots of flowers. If you've ever been to our house, you know but she really loves it when they look good. She doesn't like it when they look bad. And they're all frozen and they look bad. I couldn't even lift a dumb little pot. But somebody could. Before I knew it, all 30 of those pots were behind the shed, out of sight, out of mind until next spring. I remember coming back last weekend, and I was concerned about the pots out here. 
how bad would they look by now? It's kind of what Leanne and I do. We, we, we like to grow the flowers out front. And that was going to be a mess. And then I drove up, and somebody had a servant heart, didn't they? And everything was cleaned up. You see, I simply couldn't do much on my own. Take a look at that again. I simply couldn't do much on my own. You see, I witnessed firsthand what servant hearts look like. I witnessed firsthand what living generously feels like. It's what we were made to do by our Creator, don't you know? To live generously and to live with servant hearts. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I know someone who has the biggest servant heart that has ever been on this earth. Someone who doesn't just help people with their physical needs, although he did. He was known to do a few miracle healings in his time. The person I'm thinking of, he doesn't just help physically. This servant I'm thinking of, well, he comes to heal spiritually and he comes to nourish spiritually and ultimately this servant comes to save spiritually. And this suffering servant's name is Jesus. Nearly 700 years before our suffering servant was born, God helped the prophet Isaiah foretell what this suffering servant was just going to do. This suffering servant who came to save us, save us who can't save ourselves, right? Save a people who can't do much to save themselves on their own. Isaiah 53, 11. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. You see, the Lord is foretelling us that his suffering servant, well, Jesus saw the need to save. Jesus saw the unrighteousness, and Jesus saw the sin and, the, and all of the inequities that were happening on this earth and still occur to this day. He saw things that he put in front of us to do that we failed to do. But the Lord tells us through Isaiah that Jesus still handled it all. You see, he made many to be righteous. And he shall bear our sins and he shall bear our iniquities. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And that's exactly what Jesus does. 
You see, the suffering servant Jesus has clothed us with a robe of righteousness by dying and rising again. He is the ultimate servant, the ultimate rescuer, the ultimate superhero, if you would like. But he's not Iron Man. He's not Thor, and he's not Captain America. He is God's Son, Jesus. Born lowly in a manger. And we'll be celebrating that birth in about a month. You see, Jesus was born to serve, not to be served. Born to suffer and die for you. Suffer and die for me. The words that Pastor Gerber read from Mark, Jesus' own words, well, they tell us about this suffering servant. Jesus said, But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You are the many that Jesus referred to. He gave his life for you, that you might be rescued, that you might be saved. Now that's the ultimate servant, isn't it? Saving you spiritually from sin, death, and devil. So question number two this morning. What is your response to that? It's what we've been talking about for about a month. God gives. We respond pretty quietly. God gives. We respond. Thank you. But today we're going to make it even more specific. Jesus, the servant, he gives and we respond. Let's say that together. Jesus, the servant, he gives, we respond. Last week, Pastor Gerber challenged the congregation challenged us to give tithing a try and see how the Lord might bless that, that faithfulness. See how the Lord would respond in our lives. But giving generously is much more, isn't just about giving money, it's much, much more. It's about being generous, generous with our time, and our talents, not shying away from those servant opportunities that are right there in front of us every day. Third question of the morning. Are you ready to give generously this week? Because you see, God will present many opportunities. It's not 
Will you have opportunities to serve? Will you have opportunities to give generously? It's how many. So this morning, brothers and sisters, open your eyes. Open your hearts. Jesus, the servant, gave it all. How do we respond? My prayer is that you let Jesus' love come shining through this week. It's a great week to do it, isn't it? Thanksgiving week. When, you own, when your own servant's heart is moved to respond, smile and remember what Jesus has done for you. It's not will there be opportunities, it's how many. Paul reminds us of these opportunities in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works of generosity to serve. Paul reminds us of these opportunities. And he says, God prepared beforehand these opportunities that we should do what? Walk in them. Do them. I promise you, my friends, when you walk in the good works that God has put before you and has prepared beforehand for you, when you are the good servant that God has made you to be, not only will you be a blessing to others, you will also be blessed. You will be blessed by the love of Jesus. Jesus, the servant, he gives and we respond. And in his name we pray, amen.